This is a podcast from the Business Times. Singapore shares started the week on a positive note after global equities ended the week mixed. The Straits Times Index was up 0.3% at the open, but ended the first trading day of the fourth quarter in the red. The STI retreated at 0.3% to close at 3,209 points. On Tuesday, Singapore shares opened weaker after global markets closed mostly lower. The STI headed down 0.5% and ended in the red at 3,192 points, tracking regional losses. At the midweek, Singapore shares extended losses opening weaker, following overnight losses in global markets. The STI opened in the red and slid 1.4% to close at 3,147 points. And on Thursday, Singapore shares were little changed at the open, following a mixed performance on global equity markets. The STI inched up 0.03% in early trade and rose 0.2% to close at 3,155 points. It's Friday, October 6th. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm Janice Tan. Singapore shares opened slightly higher, with the STI rising 0.1% to 3,159.03 points. Here's Jeff Howey, market strategist at SGX Securities, with his overview of the trading week. Janice, a new quarter has begun. We've seen the STI test the 31.30 lows of the third quarter of 2023 and decline close to 2% on the week as of the Thursday close. However, trading a little higher in early trading on Friday around the 3150s to the 3160s. And this has placed the STI in the center of the global benchmark leaderboard for the week. The FTSE ASEAN extended 60 index declined closer to 1% by comparison with Jakarta Composite Index and Bursa Malaysia KLCI among the more defensive indices of the week. This week, we saw Indonesia's headline inflation for September ease further to 2.3% year-on-year, and that's down from that 3.3% year-on-year increase in August, and that was attributed to lower inflation in almost all components. This week, Brent crude oil has come off to around $84 a barrel as of early trading Friday. That's down from $95 a barrel the previous week and up from $75 a barrel back at the end of June. This week, Saudi Arabia and Russia reaffirmed the supply cuts that they relayed earlier in September, rather than announcing new cuts at that Wednesday evening OPEC plus online meeting. EIA numbers in the US did signal reduced demand for gasoline, which could be attributed to higher costs and the impact of higher rates for longer, particularly in 2024. Thus, while energy stocks led the global stock market in the third quarter, They were among the biggest decliners this week, with Rex International and RH Petrogas down around 9% and the PTT Exploration and Production, PTT-EP, Thailand SDR, down 7% as of late Thursday trading. Last quarter, both Rex International and RH Petrogas generated relatively symmetrical returns in the vicinity of 28%, while the PTT Exploration and Production, SDR, gained 15%. PTT Exploration and Production, it's ASEAN's largest listed petroleum exploration production company, and the SDR can be found in trading platforms with the SGX trading code TPED. In the United States, the August PCE core deflator was up 3.9%, exactly as expected, which represents the lowest year-on-year print for the gauge since September of 2021. 
Given this was in the realm of expectations, the ongoing bid tone for the US dollar index has remained. The US dollar index has edged higher from 105.80 last week to around 106.30 late Thursday Asia trading, but certainly off its 107.10 midweek highs. Over the past week, expectations for another hike on 1st November or 13 December FOMCs did firm marginally, but based on the CME FedWatch tool, it is still 65% odds they hold, 35% odds they hike before 2024. Looking to the 2024 higher for longer outlook, which did weigh equities in September, there was no change for the consensus for either 75 basis points or 50 basis points of cuts across the eight scheduled FOMCs next year. Back home, and the first four sessions of the week did see institutions net buyers of Singapore stocks with close to 140 million Sing dollars in net inflow. Banks and other financial services stocks led the net inflow, followed by telecommunications and technology. Meanwhile, REITs, consumer non-cyclicals, and energy stocks led the net institutional outflow for the first four sessions. Capital and investment did book the fourth highest net institutional inflow over the first four sessions of this week. And that is, of course, that big brand that completed its significant restructure back in September 2021. Capital and investments did highlight this year that from the date of relisting as capital and investment back on 20 September 2021 through to 21st of April this year, the stock was trading at a price-to-net asset value ratio in a range of 1.0 times to 1.4 times. And that did compare to that of Capital Land, which was trading in a historical range between 0.7 times to 0.9 times. Looking outside the STI, UMS Holdings, Comfort Delgro Corp and Ames APAC REIT were the non-STI stocks that did book the most net institutional inflow for the four sessions. Megan Chia joins us with her wrap of this week's highlights. Asian markets ended the first week of the fourth quarter in the red. The Straits Times Index was down 1.6%. Japan's Nikkei 225 was down 2.5%, while the FTSE Bursa Malaysia KLCI slipped 1.7%. Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index was down 2.3%, while South Korea's Kospi Composite Index declined 4.2%. Regional markets were rocked midweek when long-term U.S. Treasury yields reached a 16-year high on Tuesday, resulting in a bond market rout amid a high interest rate environment. The 30-year yield reached 4.95% for the first time since 2007, while the 10-year note rose to 4.8%. The U.S. labor market report released on the same day, which showed a surprise increase in the number of job openings to 9.6 million, also fueled worries of a further rate hike by the Federal Reserve before the end of the year. However, the next day, more economic data showed that U.S. private payrolls increased less than expected with only 89,000 new private sector jobs in September, missing forecasts of 150,000 in a Wall Street Journal poll. This caused U.S. Treasury yields to retreat, resulting in a Wall Street rebound on Wednesday. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed up 0.4%. The broad-based S&P 500 rose 0.8%, while the tech-rich Nasdaq Composite Index surged by 1.4%. Back home, the Straits Times Index was largely in the red these five days. The losses were led by Thigh Beverage, which declined 6.9% in the five days. Meanwhile, the top gainer for the week was Fraser's Logistics and Commercial Trust, which was up 1.9%. 
The Republic this week released its latest Purchasing Managers Index, or PMI, which was in expansion mode in September. It edged up to 50.1, a 0.2-point gain from August, as it headed into positive territory for the first time in six months. Economists said this signaled that the manufacturing slump may have bottomed and the sector could stabilise in coming months, albeit gradually. Singapore's retail sales also climbed 4% on-year in August, climbing from a revised 1.3% year-on-year growth in July and higher than the median 0.9% rise expected in a Bloomberg poll. China's markets will be back online next week after celebrating its Golden Week holiday. Still to come, economic data and highlighted stocks of the week. Break down useful financial tips with money hacks from the Business Times with correspondent Howie Lim. Every first and third Monday of the month, go to bt.sg podcasts to download or listen wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to market focus from the Business Times. Jeff, could you highlight the most notable news for the week, please? Singapore's official PMI tipped over the 50 threshold in September to an expansionary 50.1. This is the first print above 50.0 for our official gauge since July of 2022. The sub-aggregate for electronics was at 49.8, however, has been in contraction for 14 consecutive months. It has been improving for the three consecutive months, though, we should note. Both the broad and the electronics gauges did see marginally expansionary increases in the order backlogs, which does signal a slight improvement or slighter more optimism in the very important end demand. However, at the same time, the S&P Global ASEAN Manufacturing PMI for September tipped below the neutral 50 mark for the first time since October 2021. The survey saw most contractions in Malaysia, Singapore and Thailand. S&P Global's relevant economist noted that with demand for ASEAN goods weakening, firms opted to rely on their current stock holdings to meet business requirements, with both pre- and post-production inventories depleted in September, while purchasing activity stagnated. So obviously, the immediate outlook for China matters. And looking forward, China's third quarter GDP will be due on Wednesday, 18th of October, as is China's September industrial production. For the medium term, and I guess more from a structural perspective, China policymakers have maintained their intention to complete the negotiations for the ASEAN-China Free Trade Area version 3.0 by 2024, which is expected to enhance industrial cooperation in addition to make new ground in agricultural, digital and green initiatives. Singapore retail sales for August came in stronger than expected, up 4% year-on-year for the month of August, after upwardly revised 1.3% year-on-year growth in July. UOB expects that for 2023, Singapore retail sales will grow by 3.5%. And there are several economic drivers of local retail activity, which include GST assurance, large-scale entertainment events, tourism, e-commerce, and digitalization, to name a few. Sheng Siong Group noted back in July that the Singapore government's inflation offset measures, such as that GST voucher scheme and the insurance package, continue to support consumer spending, giving supermarket retailers a boost. 
DFI Retail Group also noted that 7-Eleven Singapore reported double-digit like-for-like sales growth in the first half of this year relative to the first half of last year. And we should also caveat that the large-scale entertainment events, they don't necessarily bring blanket relief to all of Orchard Road. For instance, at the July AGM, Cortina Holdings was asked if it sees an uptake in demand at the large-scale social events, and the board did note it would be generally an uptick in demand during such events, but there isn't any strong evidence to show direct impact on sales. But then on the digitalization front, the Hourglass has noted at its AGM in July that its fastest-growing age demographic are now people in their age group of 20s to 40s which may be attributed largely to the rise of social media, which has resulted in intensification of status competition, whereas pre-pandemic, its biggest age demographic was clients between age 40 to 60. And then, of course, electrification is also having an impact in the local car market. Tanchong International highlighted in September that the Nissan e-Power models, which collectively made up two-thirds of Nissan sales in Singapore in the first half of this year, saw 24% growth year-on-year, ranking it among the top fifth best-selling passenger car brand in Singapore and the only brand amongst the top five that did not suffer a year-on-year decline. Okay, Jeff, we are going to change up this section. Megan and I are each going to pick just one stock and you see what the latest info you have for them are, okay? Sure, but can it be one stock each, please? Sure. Okay. (laughs) Okay, my pick for today is Dynamac Holdings. Yeah, Dynamac Holdings announced that it had expanded its order book with new contract wins of 88 million Singapore dollars this week. The main contract involves the construction of topside modules for the FPSOs, that's the floating production storage offloading vessels, which will begin construction in the first quarter of next year and scheduled to be completed in the third quarter of 2025 before those modules are shipped to China for integration with the vessel. And it brings Dynamac Holdings net order book to around 630 million Singapore dollars. For the first half of this year, Dynamac Holdings, you might recall, its net profit grew more than 200% year on year to 10 million Sing dollars. And the stock maintains a market value of around 400 million Sing dollars. It spent most of this week or the majority of the week trading near or around 39 cents. The definitive consensus target price of the stock is around 51 cents. The stock ranks just outside the top 50s trading stocks by turnover in Singapore and also ranking among the 25 Singapore stocks that have booked the most net institutional inflow this year. The share price has gained from around 18.8 cents at the end of 2022 and is up from 16.8 cents at the end of 2019. Megan, your turn. What's your pick? Raffles Medical Group. What's the latest you have on them? Raffles Medical Group has entered into a strategic partnership to acquire a majority interest in American International Hospital in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. The hospital is a purpose-built and fully equipped 120-bed tertiary hospital with five operating theatres and it offers a full range of specialists and essential diagnostic capabilities with about 500 staff, which also includes about 60 doctors. As part of the agreement, The group will also enter into a management service agreement to manage the American International Hospital operations. The arrangement enables Raffles Medical Group to penetrate the growing demand for private healthcare services in Vietnam. 
It also enables Raffles Medical Group to augment its clinic operations there. And of course, this is part of the group's long-term strategy to further diversify its hospital operations beyond both Singapore and China. Currently, Raffles Medical Group operates in as many as 14 cities in five countries, and we saw its first half 23 profit after tax grow by 1% to 60 million Sing dollars. The stock uh, maintains a market value of more than 2 billion Singapore dollars and spent the majority of the week trading near $1.25 with its refinitive consensus target price of $1.73. As the most traded stock that represents Singapore healthcare sector, the stock also ranks just outside the 50 most traded Singapore listed stocks by turnover while also ranking among the 40 Singapore stocks that have booked the most net institutional inflow this year. And the share price has declined from $1.40 at the end of 2022 and is up from about a dollar at the end of 2019. This has been Market Focus from The Business Times. I'm Janice Tan. Thanks to Jeff Howie, Market Strategist at SGX Securities, and Megan Chia from The Business Times News Desk. This is a podcast by The Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.